Good morning, everybody. Um, half the crowd just said, who is this guy? And the other said, where's JD? So <laughs> that's okay. I've been there. Um, we're going to be in Job 17. We're going to crack on with Job, and uh, we'll pray and get started. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for this chance to give into your word and learn what you have to teach us. And we thank you for opening our hearts and preparing us with the music and pray that you uh, affect everyone in here today with your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So in chapter 17, uh, before we begin, uh, I'd like to do a short review. As we're about halfway through uh, where Job is, is dealing with his friends. And, Job, the, and what I mean by that is the last four chapters, God, of course, speaks. And the first two chapters, we're, we're told about the... Uh, What's going what's to happen, the, the test that Job is, is uh, enduring. And so from chapter 3 to chapter, through chapter 37, we're, we're about halfway through, and that, that's significant, and I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit. But, um, so I'd like to review uh, chapter 3, Job, Job's complaint. You know, he's wondering what this hap- what ha- what's happening to him. Chapters 4 and 5, uh, Eliphaz answers, accuses, attacks, whatever you want to call it. Uh, 6 and 7, Job's answer, and he rebuts it. And chapter 8, it's Bildad's turn, so his buddies are kind of tag-teaming on him. Chapter 9 and 10, Job responds and again rebuts. And chapter 11, it's Zophar's turn. Uh, repent and all will be well. You know, they keep telling you, you're, you did something wrong, Repent. Chapters 12, 13, and 14, Job responds again, but uh, interestingly, chapter 13, we see for the first time Job prays. Probably not for the first time, but the first time recorded in this, since this situation began. Job prays, and that, that's interesting, and, and I picked up on that. Um, then chapter 15, we're back to Eliphaz again. Eliphaz takes another shot. Uh, 16, Job responds 17, where we pick up today, Job prays again. He starts off chapter 17 with praying. Um, so as we're going through chapter 17, I'd like us to focus on, there's many, many things we could focus on in the story uh, that we could study in the story so far. We studied Job's uh, loss of family, loss of his fortune, uh, his, his wife basically telling them that everything you've, you've done, how you've lived your life so far, has been a waste. Uh, why just curse God and be done with it? Uh, then his friends come, and rather than than helping with him, and as they did in the first week, they just kind of sat with him and, and were there with him. But then they start piling on. You know, you've done something wrong here, Job. So the injustice of his friends' accusations. Um, we could we could focus on uh, Satan's sneakiness and his ugliness in in proposing this whole this whole uh, contest, for lack of a better word. And we could also, interesting, we could study or we could learn and, and wonder why God, for lack of the better word, plays along and, and allows Satan to do this to Job. Uh, but God knows how this is all going to turn out. Job doesn't. Satan doesn't. His wife and his friends certainly don't. But God knows how it's going to turn out. So this morning, I'd like us to focus on what God is doing in Job's life. There's a, there's a lot of peripheral stuff, but uh, what, what is God doing in Job's life? So that's where we begin in uh, chapter 17. 
Verse 1, my spirit is broken, my days are extinguished. The grave is ready for me. Are not mockers with me? And does not my eye dwell on their provocation? So right off the bat, we're going to break here. Uh, Right off the bat, Job's first sentence in his prayer. My spirit is broken. And that brings us to our first uh, cross-reference. Isaiah 66, verses verses 1 and 2. Uh, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne, the earth is, and the earth my footstool. Where is the house that you would build for me, and where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this, on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit. And, and also, to drive that home a little bit, maybe Psalms 51 Verse 15 through 17. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, and a broken and contrite heart you will not despise. So, when Job says, my spirit is broken, although he has no idea about the Psalms yet, my spirit is broken, that is what... Uh, God will not despise that. And that's maybe, or probably, or one of the things that God is doing in Job's life is, is breaking his spirit. So, and he also says, uh, the grave is ready for me. That's not the same thing as saying I'm ready for the grave. Now granted, he's, he's, he's getting low. He's at the, one of the lowest points uh, he, a human can ever get to. Is, but he says, the grave is ready for me, which, and, but it's not the same thing as saying, I'm ready for the grave. I mean, we've all had uh, you know, stories of great Aunt Susie, or we know a, a person who's, who's had a friend that, you know, they were on death's bed, and they were about ready to go, but they hung on because they wanted to talk to their husband or their wife one more time, or, or their kid was flying in from wherever and would be there any minute, and that person hung on until he got that one last thing accomplished. And that's kind of where I feel like Job is at right now. Uh, he's, he's, he's at the lowest point we can ever, a human could ever get to, but he's not quite ready to go. He's got one, he knows he's got one thing left to do, and we're going to see that later on. But uh, so, continuing on in verse 3. Now put a pledge, now put down a pledge for me with yourself. Who is he who will shake hands with me? For you have hidden their heart from understanding. Therefore, you will not exalt them. He who speaks flattery to his friends, even the eyes of his children will fail. But he has made me a byword of the people, and I have become one in whose face men spit. My eye has also grown grown dim because of sorrow, and all my members are like shadows. Upright men are astonished at this, and the innocent stirs himself up against the hypocrite. Yet the righteous will hold to his way, and he who has clean hands will be stronger and stronger. So in verse 3, he says, now put down a pledge for me with yourself. And and notice uh, the yourself is capitalized. So he's asking God to put down a pledge for me. And and a little bit of research I did on that, 
It's the sense of what we would call uh, a bail bondsman, someone that can get us out of jail. Uh, Hopefully we don't have too much experience with that, but (laughs) that's what he's asking for. But it's also more than that. It's it's also in the sense of an attorney, and it's also in the sense that both of the, the bail bondsman and the attorney are friends of his. So that hopefully gets us to thinking and and sounds familiar a little bit when someone is your get-out-of-jail-free card and someone is your attorney and someone is your friend. uh, He doesn't name him, of course, but he's he's alluding to Jesus. And we'll we'll get there in a couple, in a thousand years or 1,500 years or whatever. But he knows what he needs at that point. Uh, And then he says, he who speaks flattery to his friends, even the eyes of his children will fall. Now, he's kind of taking a dig at his buddies there, if you can call them buddies. But uh, what, is, what his friends are doing in Job's eyes, and, and we certainly learned that this is probably correct, that his friends are flattering God, and they're showing how much we're on God's side because we're, we're condemning, you know, you, you know you've done something wrong, Job. If you would just listen to us, you know. But... Uh, what he's really doing is they're flattering God, and they're flattering and they're puffing themselves up in God's eyes. We're on God's side, you know. And Job, you're, you're, you know, if you need to listen to us in this, of course, we know that's that's false because we have the benefit of the first two chapters. But so, and then to review a little bit, down in verse eight, the innocent stirs himself up against the hypocrite. Yet the righteous will hold to his way, and he who has clean hands will be stronger and stronger. So, I'm sorry, I skipped ahead, but uh, our next cross-reference is Job 32 through 33. For he, and he's taking, for he, God, he's referring to God, for he is not a man as I am, that I may answer him, and that we should go to court together. Nor is there any mediator between us who may lay his hand on us both. So back in chapter 9, you know, God working through these situations in Job's life, God is, Job has come to the realization of what he needs back in chapter 9. Oh, I need, I need, I need this, I need this mediator, I need this. Now in chapter 17, He's, he comes out, and, he, and as he's praying, he's asking God for this mediator. I need someone to put down a pledge for me. That's what he, that's what, so he realizes back in chapter 9 what he needs. Now in chapter 17, he's asking God for it in prayer. So, and now skipping back to 8, which I won't read again, <laughs> but uh, our next cross-reference is Proverbs 4.15, talking about, uh, Job's clean hands and and the innocent stirring himself up against the hypocrite. Proverbs four eighteen. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. So he who and and then Psalms twenty four verses four through five. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and. Righteousness from the God of his salvation. So he who has clean hands, Job is declaring the same sentiment in verse 8. I have clean hands in this. So you kind of get the sense that uh, God is giving Job a second wind. He's, as, as I mentioned earlier, his friends for 
what, 14 chapters now have been ganging up on him and been tag team wrestling him and just taking one pounding after another. This on top of his physical state, which, which, you know, he's got boils busting out all over his body and you just think, yuck, you know, I get a splinter and it's, ah, you know, and he's got this whole thing on his whole body from his, from his toes to his head. And so he's got that to deal with. And then he's got all the loss of his family, his friends, uh, uh, his family, excuse me. And his friends are there beating up on him after time, after time, after time for, for 14 chapters now. And incidentally, we're, we're, as I mentioned, we're only halfway through this. They're going to beat up on him for another 14 or 15 chapters. But right now, it's, it's, uh, you, you sense that God is giving Job a second wind when he says, uh, I have clean hands. And, and, you can only, and, you, and you know, and you runners out there, I used to run a long, long, long time ago. But, but in, in, the, in the service, they, we would run until you, you'd feel like your lungs would explode. You know, you just... You're running and running. For me, it was always eating while about four or five, and you just, I can't do this anymore. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And then if you just hang in a little longer, pretty soon, I, I don't know what it is. You runners could help me out. It's when them endorphins start kicking in, and you, pretty soon your lungs relax, and you're, you're breathing again. And, and we'd always tell the drill sergeant, yeah, we can go another four or five. And thankfully, most of the time we didn't. But... <laughs> But that's that second wind, you know. So you kind of sense Job getting that second wind here when he says, I have clean hands in this. I'm, I'm going to stir myself up against you, you hypocrites. And then you, you kind of sense that as we continue on in verse 10. But please come back again, all of you, for I, not, for I shall not find one wise man among you. And of course, he's talking to his friends. But you can kind of hear the sarcasm and, and you can kind of sense that second wind kicking in on him. I, I know what you're doing, but I, you're, not, you're not wise. I won't find one wise man among you. And then he, he uh, but he, he shows in the, in the following verses that, that uh, he's, he's probably approaching a pretty low point. My days are past. My purposes are broken off. Even the thoughts of my heart, they change the night into day. The light is near, they say, in the face of darkness. And again, he's referring to his friends telling him that day is night and night is day, and you're going you're gonna to come through this if you just repent, Job. And then Job says something here, verses 13 through, through 16, and, and I thought a lot about these, so think about these sentences. These are classic if-then statements, as you English majors would tell me. If I wait for the grave as my house, if I make my bed in the darkness, if I say to corruption, you are my father, and to interrupt corruption, of course, is the decay of our bodies. So he's talking about being in the grave. Uh, and to the worm, you are my mother and my sister. Of course, worms devouring the, the helping in the decomposition process. Where then is my hope? As for my hope, who can see it? Will they go down to the gates of Sheol? Shall we have rest together in the dust? Now, the fact that he's saying, or as he goes through these trials and debates with his friends, he goes stronger in his convictions that there will be someone there to mediate for him. Because he's saying, if, if I make my bed in the grave, if I, if I say to corruption, you own me, you're my father, the worm that eats, eats what I have left, 
You're my mother and my sister. If, then where is my hope? But so by the very fact that he's saying if means he hasn't given up yet because that's a course of action he could take. If I did that, then where would my hope be? But instead, he's, I'm not saying that, but if I were to say that, that's what would happen. I'm not saying that, so therefore, I have my hope. But if I were to say all these things, I would have no hope. So, maybe in all of this, all of this, all of these trials that he's gone through, and stuff that we can't even imagine, or very, very few of us can imagine, you know, our, our kids are gone, our our wife has said, you're a, you're a loser. My friends are coming beating up on me. I, don't have, I can't even cook a steak anymore. I don't have any cattle. I don't have any camels. I don't, it's all been robbed from me. I got nothing. But one thing I have left is my hope. And that's the, that's the important thing. That's a, that's a lesson for all of us, regardless of what we have. And, and hopefully, it doesn't take God stripping all that stuff away from us before we see that we need this hope. We have to have this hope. And of course, as he mentions in verse 3, without saying his name, that hope is Jesus. As he's fully aware of the futility of life without Jesus, without a mediator, without someone that can, can plead his case before God. So uh, I know this is a familiar verse to, to, to almost everybody, but uh, refer to Romans uh, 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And that, that really, you can, if, you're, if you put yourself in Job's shoes, you, you don't know this verse, but that's what's happening. And, and, and he's really to be commended for for sticking up and, and hanging in and knowing and re- resting on God that there is a hope for me. Now, he, as I mentioned, he has no idea about David writing the Psalms or Solomon in the Proverbs and Isaiah the prophet, and he certainly doesn't know about Rome, Paul writing to the Romans, but, but he knows what he needs. So we see Job living out these truths of these scriptures that, that we've cross-referenced today. And all things are eventually restored to Job. So there's the good news. And I know many of you have probably read the last four chapters and skip ahead, and that's great. Uh, so you know that, that all things, all of his stuff, is, and he has a, a new family, basically, and he's got all his cattle. In fact, twice as much of his fortune is restored than, than what he started with, which was significant. So, but, but the most important thing in what God has done in Job is he's refined him. He's, he's gotten Job to the place where he can see, yes, I need a mediator. And, oh, God, please send me that mediator. Where is he? Take a pledge with me. And we reference uh, Psalm 66, verses 8 through 12. And it'll tell us about this, this process. Oh, bless O oh, bless our God, you peoples, and make the voice of his praise to be heard, who keeps our soul among the living and does not allow our feet to be moved. For you, God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. You brought us into the, the, the net. You laid affliction on our backs. You have, caused us, you have caused men to ride on our heads. We went through fire and through water. 
but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. And that's really what Job has gone through to this point. And, and again, he's going to keep going through it for a long while. But the reason I, I brought up the halfway mark, and I'll get to that a little bit. It's not a teaser. <laughs> Sorry, I thought it was funny. Well, so, uh, but we got one last wheedle before this magical, not magical, but before this halfway point comes one last knife in the back. And this time it's Bildad's turn as, as we, as the buddies cycle through hitting and, and tagging in. And, and now it's Bildad's turn and he's going to cycle in and take his, take another shot here. So here we go. Then Bildad, the Shuhite answered and said, answered and said, How long do you put an end to words? Gain understanding afterwards, and we will speak. Why are we counted as beasts and regarded as stupid in your sight? You who tear yourself in anger, shall the earth be forsaken for you, or, or shall the rock be removed from its place? Again, you know, it, it's, you hate to say more of the same, but it's kind of more of the same, Job. You're still not seeing it our way. So let's go through this again. We've tried to tell you, we've tried to tell you, you won't listen, you've sinned, you don't know God, you think you know so much, and you're our teacher, but you don't. So here we go again. The light of the wicked indeed goes out, and the flame of his fire does not shine. The light is dark in his tent, and his lamp beside him is put out. The steps of his strength are shortened, and his own counsel casts him down. For he is cast into a net by his own feet. What did we read in the Psalms? His God is, is, is talking about the net. And he walks into a snare. The net takes him by the heel and a snare lays hold of him. A noose is hidden for him on the ground and a trap for him on the road. Terrors frighten him on every side and drive him to his feet. His strength is starved. And destruction is ready at his side. It devours patches of his skin. The firstborn of death devours his limbs. He is uprooted from the shelter of his tent, and they parade him before the king of terrors. They dwell in his tent who are none of his. Brimstone is scattered on his dwelling. His roots are dried out below, and his branch withers above. The memory of him perishes from the earth, and he has no name among the renowned. He is driven from light into darkness and chased out of the world. He has neither son nor posterity among his people, nor any remaining in his dwellings. Those in the west are astonished at his day, as those in the east are frightened. Surely such are the dwellings of the wicked, and this is the place of him who does not know God. So, again, it's, it's more the same. It's his buddies tagging in. It's Bildad in this time. But, but what Bildad, he's, he's, he's going off his observations. He's going off his insight. He, of course, and, and doesn't know that, that God has allowed this to happen in Joe's life for a very important purpose. So Joe, uh, Bildad, in this case, is, is just going by what Bildad sees, and, and uh, some, and maybe all, of, of Bildab's observations are correct in what he sees, right? Uh, verse 13, it devours patches of his skin. 
He can look at Job and, and see, yeah, your patches of your skin are devoured. Verse 19, he has, he has neither son nor posterity among his people, nor any remaining in his dwellings. Where's your kids at, Job? What happened to your kids? Where's your sons and daughters? What happened to him? He has no posterity. So those are correct observations, but his conclusions are wrong. Uh, verse 17 the memory of him perishes from the earth, and he has no name among the renowned. And here it is, what, 3,000 years later, we're still learning from Job. Job, has not, his memory has not perished from the earth. In uh, verse 21, such are the dwellings of the wicked, and this is the place of him who does not know God. Well, we know that's false from what God said back in chapter 1. Uh, he's upright, God says. So, there it is. Which, which brings us, and just a final thought about his three buddies, if you can call it that. Romans 12, 15, 15 and 16. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. And this is the sin of his three buddies. They're not weeping with Job who's weeping. They're, they're talking about kicking a guy when he's down. That's what they're doing. And if you just come around to our way of thinking, Job, if you just repent, you know, you'll, you'll be all right. We're on God's side here, Job. You're not. And uh, they're certainly not, uh, they're, they have their minds set on the high things. They're not, uh, they're not one to associate with the humble. And they're certainly wise in their own opinions. So, but God, of course, God, he uses all of that stuff to refine Job spiritually until he realizes the futility of life without the Savior. Job clings to this hope, and we'll, we'll see that in, in uh, chapter 19. I'm not going to steal the thunder, but please read ahead in chapter 19 and talk about this, this truth that we all have to come to as believers. And that's probably or one of the reasons that God allowed all this stuff to happen in Job's life. And Job has the honor of presenting that argument or that statement or that declaration of faith through the Holy Spirit in chapter 19. And that's where we close. Sorry if it was a little short. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> Father, we thank you for this time to learn from Job and... Uh, Keep it fresh in our minds and keep it as we go through the days and weeks and help us understand why you, you sometimes let these things happen to us as, as you demonstrated that you let them happen to Job for a very important reason. Father, we also think of uh, Pastor J.D. and hope you give him this time and bless him and teach him and then bring him safely back to us next week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.